0: In this episode, I'm going to be reading Chapter Ten. Put your mind to rest. Take a deep breath through your nose. Hold it. Relax every everything in your body while exhaling slowly. Another deep breath through the nose, hold it, release over every bone in your body, feel yourself sinking into the bed and listen to the story as it unfolds. It was still raining. Sarah turned over in her damp bedroll. In her tent back at Camp Winfield Scott, a crack of thunder had wakened her. No, it was something else someone was singing several someone's she sat up it was a hum long mournful and haunting sarah crept out at the tent all she saw at first was rain a few sputtering fires and in the distance pickets Then she saw a crowd of people, well, over a dozen, were huddled at the end of the line of tents and she saw Colonel Fenton and two aides with them. Automatically, she reached for Fanny and, shoeless, her feet squishing on the muddy ground, she approached them. They were negroes, soaking wet, wearing ragged, linsey-woolsey clothing, many without shoes. They wore old floppy hats, torn bits of burlap, soaked blankets, one by one. Sarah was joined by soldiers who came out of their tents to see about the commotion. For a while, everyone, including Colonel Fenton, just stood and watched them. Some of them were shouting, some praying, some singing, and some speaking. Then, Colonel Fenton held up his hand and they went quiet. I remembers the first time I see the Yankees coming, one woman was saying. They come galloping down the road, jumpin' over the fence, trompling down the bushes and messing up the flower beds. They stomped all over the house, in the kitchen, smoke smokehouses And everything. I was sitting on the steps when a big Yankee man came up. There was more shouting and praying to the Lord. Then Colonel Fenton shouted, where do you all come from? We uns come from Fortress Monroe, one large man said. These others we meet on the road, coming here. We uns heard about the fire on Sumter They run to Fortress Monroe. There we meet, gentle butler, our master. Come after us, but bless that gentleman. He say no. We ain't going back. Bless that man. He call us contraband. Another black hand went up in the back of the crowd. Our master was getting us ready to sail south. letting we escape when the war came. We ran. We see the flag, master. That flag, you flying, over there. We see it over the river. And we keep heading to the flag. And we come here. An elderly black man. Old Beyond years with a white beard took off his dripping floppy hat. I tell you, my brethren that the good Lord has borne with this his slavery a long time with great patience, but now he can't board no longer, no how, and he has said to the people of the north Go and tell the slaveholders to let the people go, that they may serve me. Now we want to be here, on this sacred ground, under this flag. We serve you. You do what you need to win this war against the slavers. When the picket guard led us through, we kneel down and kiss the ground. You gonna let us stay? All right. All right, Colonel Fenton said. You can stay here the night. We have some extra tents since we lost a goodly number of our men in the battle. Then we'll find out where to put you. Sergeant Kelly, he shouted, build us a fire, put a camp kettle on, get some bread and meat these people are starving come on boys can't you see these people are starving yes master the old negro with the white beard said we's hungry all right we been on the road for two days and we ain't had nothing but berries sarah put fanny aside and with the others set herself to the task of helping. She led some of the women and children to the empty tents. She found extra dry blankets and food. For most of that night, she and her fellow soldiers stayed up drinking coffee with the slaves and listening to their stories. Sarah had heard so much about slavery, had tried to imagine so many times what it must be like, not only to be negro, but to be held in bondage, yes, she had known and spoken with Newbin, but he was a child, still carefree and unaware of the terrible tragedy being played out among his elders on the plantation he'd come from he told her he played with the white children sarah realized speaking with the escaped slaves that night that she had never really met or spoken in depth with a negro person before It rained for two days after the battle, which the Union had lost. And then the sun came out with a vengeance. The feeling in camp over the lost battle was disbelief and discouragement. Sarah worried. Her brother-in-law, Tobias, was not in camp, had not returned from the battle. Sarah spent her spare time going around, asking after him, but no one had seen him since the fight and no one cared. Tobias had always been an ornament where people were concerned and in the army he'd made no friends. A new commander-in-chief had been appointed. His name was General George McLenn Word ran through camp. He was only 32. A West Point graduate. Some Boston merchant cheated us. She heard Fenton say, dictation in his letter. No wonder the rebels hate us. Sarah's face was now green and purple on the left side, with several scratch marks that were puffy and red. Her face hurt when she lay down at night. But she'd been almost glad of the pain, for every time she closed her eyes to sleep, she saw in flashes the faces and blood torn apart chest of the confederate cavalry officer she'd shot. She wondered who he was, who was at home, waiting for him. Two days after the battle, she wrote to Mrs. Constance Beck of Lowell Marchette. I have your locket, she wrote, after telling how she'd been with Mrs Beckett's husband when he died. When circumstances permit, I shall send it to you in a proper package. Writing the letter helped some, but she found herself wishing she knew the name and address of the Confederate officer. If she did, She'd write to his wife, too, she told herself. Then she wondered if that would be treason. And she knew she should be writing to Clarisse. A week after the battle, colonel Fenton told her to report again to Dr. Hammond. She was so happy she could have kissed the colonel. She needed to get away from camp, and maybe Dr. Hammond knew something about Tobias. The tent hospital was overflowing with wounded from the battle. There weren't enough cots, so bedding had been placed on the floor. Some men were even on the ground outside, under the trees now. That the rain had stopped. There weren't enough blankets either or medical supplies. Water was a big problem and Dr. Hammond had his nurses constantly boiling water on the stove which made the room hot and steamy. Before she went into the main tent Sarah peeked into the operating room It was empty now, and a few flies buzzed in spite of the scrubbed cleanliness of the empty table and wooden floor. As she approached the main tent, she heard the moans of some men, but nothing prepared her for what she saw inside. So many men were amputees missing arms and legs others wore splints or had half their faces bandaged one or two were trying to make it about on crutches those who were sleeping tossed and turned and cried out in their dreams dr. Hammond was at the table in the middle of the tent He lifted eyes that were heavy with discouragement and wariness to see Sarah when she reported. That's some bruise you've sustained, he said. You didn't go hand to hand with a reb, did you? No, sir, I rolled down a hill and hit my face on a tree. Immediately, he stood up and put his hands on either side of her face. His touch was gentle. He peered into her eyes. Any headaches or vomiting? No, sir, I'm fine. Any other wounds? Just my feet, sir. The shoes wore out before we got there, but I was given some salve back at camp. And if not for the drilling, I'd be fine. Yes, I know, drill, drill, drill. I've had a dozen new Sunstro cases from it. Well, McSellen's bound to bring the army to some kind of new discipline. I've known him for a while and he's a dedicated As dedicated as I am to sanitation. We're swamped with new cases as are all the hospitals in Washington as well as Alexandria, Georgetown and Bull Run. Lots of these cases are measles, phenomia and dysentery. I heard the 2nd Michigan lost a dozen souls Yes, sir. Have you heard anything about Tobias Monday? No. Why? I knew him from back home. He's missing since the battle. So are lots of others. I'll keep an eye open for his name. I was at the battle. He gave a bitter laugh. I had a notebook with me. I intended to make a list of the killed and wounded. I saw near a hundred dead before I came upon one wounded. Needless to say, I gave up on that idea fast. He sat down and shook his head. A 30-day war, they all said, we're lucky if it's over in 13 months, we're short of food, supplies, I'm out of morphine already I've got to find a volunteer to take a trip five miles into Virginia there's a doctor's house just across the Potomac I heard on the field that he was killed outright Tom Briscoe. he had two sons in the battle also I don't know how they fared but I know his wife has got a supply of morphine and other things I badly need. Is that why you summoned me, sir? I'd be glad to go, Sarah said. He looked up at her. No, I was thinking of sending one of the nurses. I can ride just as good as they can, maybe better. and. I'm more than a fair hand with a gun," Sarah told him. I'd have to get permission from your commanding officer. Anyway, I need you to go with Newbin, and get me more food this afternoon. We need it more than ever. I'd be glad to, sir. You could send the note to Colonel Fenton when I'm gone, and if he says yes, I could go tonight, wouldn't it be better travelling at night anyway? Sometimes I think you should be more than a private, Compton. Alright then, go find Nubin, he's hitching up the mule. I'll send the note while you're gone. Could I ask a favour first? Certainly. Sarah drew the locket out of her pocket and set it down on the board table. The address is inside. I've already written to Mrs. Beckett, but I was wondering if you could wrap the locket up proper like and send it back to her. His eyes softened as he took the locket, opened it, stared at it for a moment. Then looked up at Sarah. Did you know her husband, Private Compton? Of a sudden, Sarah found she could scarce control her voice. No, sir. I came upon him when he was dying. He gave the locker to me. I came upon others, too, on the way back. One was a Confederate officer, I shot. Some understanding came across Dr Hammond's brown eyes Like the sun on a cloudy day I see And this man you shot He too died He was dying sir I saw Sarah hesitated His chest was shot open He nodded A harsh sight for a young farm boy from Michigan. His voice seemed edged with something Sarah could not name. When he said the word boy, there seemed to be a special emphasis on it. A thrill of fear went through her. Did he suspect? But then, we are at war, private. He continued briskly. Unfortunately, When you get that close it seems rather senseless different from running across a meadow with the flags flying and the drums beating feeling part of something wonderful isn't it? Yes sir. Be careful on the streets of the city there are contrabands and discouraged soldiers wandering everywhere some people Are angry because we lost the battle. The saloons are overcrowded. Do your errands and return directly. Do you have a pistol on you? No sir, I have Fanny. Fanny, my Winchester sir. He went to his coat which was draped over a nearby chair. His uniform coat He was a captain in rank, Sarah noticed how dirty and torn it was from the battle. Out of the pocket he took a pistol, checked to make sure it was loaded and handed it to her. It's a Remington, he said. Can you manage it? Yes sir, Sarah put it in her belt. Just showing it may help you? If you're accosted you may take it tonight if colonel Fenton gives permission then he turned and went back to his work and so it was how Sarah and Nubin were in the wagon again making their way through the streets of Washington but it was different now Sarah saw the difference right off. There were more fortifications being built no matter which way you looked for miles along the Potomac and every few miles mounted cannons were on those fortifications. There were soldiers everywhere marching and on the streets Waggons filled with supplies and surrounded by outriders. They had to stop once for a parcel of horses being brought to the pens by the Washington Monument. And there were Negroes everywhere. Just like the ones who'd come to Sarah's camp, wandering barefoot, carrying sacks of possessions, waiting in line for food, as woman dished out soup under a banner that said, Sanitary Commission. They ran into a few rowdies who'd just come out of the bars from which the sound of banjo music emanated. Once the rowdies stopped Sarah and Newbin in the middle of the street. One of our brave soldiers, one said, Whip the Rebs in 30 days, hey? Well, what happened? Sarah didn't have to use the pistol. The man's fellow rowdies dragged him off, ashamed. She had more trouble with Nuban, who begged her constantly to tell him about the battle. Sarah did not want to talk about the battle. But finally, she gave in. What do you want to know? How many Rebs you kill? She turned the conversation away from killing. She told him of the way the men had marched. Though their shoes were worn to nothing, how the rebels had lined up across the field, flags flying in the sun. She told him the good things, about the elegant and brave cavalry. The way the men at the batteries had manned their guns. But we lost, Nubin reminded her, woefully. we'll win next time, she promised. Did you kill anybody? Sarah lied. No, she said, we best win. My pop, he says, he never go back to being a slave. Never. They rode on the wagon seat in silence for a while. Then he spoke again. Septon, he weren't treated bad. None of us was. To wasn't anything wrong about home that made us run. My papi heard so much talk about freedom. I reckon he just wanted to try it. And so he said he had to get away from home to have it. Do you miss home? Sarah asked him. I miss Nancy and Tyler. Who are Nancy and Tyler? Family you left back in Virginia? No, Nubin said wistfully, they be the white children I played with. We uns had us a hideout under the branches of a hemlock tree. Them branches hang down real low. We could watch everything that went on in front of the house from that hideout. I wonder if they miss me. Do you think they miss me? private. I think so, Sarah told him. I think we all have things we miss by now. They made their usual collections of food and all went well until they started for 16th Street. Up ahead was the spire of S.C. John's church. They were headed for the rectory where the pastor's wife was always very generous with donations. Just as they were starting down the Pleasant Street, which was not far from the President's house, three men in coats and bowler hats came toward them and held out their hands to hold the mule and wagon. Where are you two going? one of the men asked. He wore a chair coat that Sarah thought was ridiculously looking. Nevertheless, he seemed important. I'm Private Neddy Compton of the 2nd Michigan, Sarah said, on detached duty, working for Dr. Hammond. We're fetching food for the sick. And this, she gestured to Newbin. Is my assistant. He works for Dr Hammond too. The man in the ridiculous coat nodded. I've heard of Hammond. He's a friend of McLennan's. Still, I can't allow the wagon crew this afternoon. We're conducting surveillance on the streets. You have to turn back. Before she did, Sarah took a good look down the street. In front of a three-story, pink brick house with white shadows were gathered a number of men like this one. That be the house of the lady Mama sometimes works for. Who has all the parties? Nubin whispered to her. What do surveillance mean? It means watching. They're watching her house? Why? Nubin asked. I don't know. Maybe those men be jealous, cause they ain't invited to her parties. My ma says she got a lot of men friends. That lady. Ain't she the one? That gives us the wine that day? Sarah said Yes, she was. Then told him they ought to start back to the hospital before the food began to spoil. Sadly, all good things must come to an end. So I bid you good night. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite.